Welcome to the Legible Church Podcast, where we help churches focus on clarity, transparency, and targeted communication. I am here with my two good friends, Dex and Justin. What's up, guys? What's up? What is up? I feel like we're going down. I think over the course of the season, we yeah. went from- We went up. Like in the top five uh, of people, and now we're just really good friends. Mm-hmm. It's because yeah. you, you weren't here last time, and then Maria oh. got exposed to um, the, the lack of our- dynamic natures <laughs> i i pause it next time we come back we're going to be her two besties you have some work to do to be my bestie <laughs> i'm angry at justin right now world just so we know but know. forgiveness is soon it's coming soon yeah, i think it's in the bible I read, I read the bible yeah. yeah how many times have you forgiven me so far <laughs> 70 times seven. Yeah, yeah. i was gonna say that you took my, you took my punchline next <laughs> I, would, I wouldn't have even thought we made it to seven 70 times seven thousand <laughs> You know what? Speaking of all that hard work of counting. Speaking of numbers, dang it. Let me host the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like a second faster than me every time. All right. Congratulations. Yeah. Speaking of numbers. Yeah. We're going (laughs) to. I like that transition. Dang, dude. You should host a podcast. We're going to talk about (laughs) counting what counts in church. What kind of things should we be measuring and paying attention to? Can I say just in the spirit of authenticity and, you know, being brothers and sisters in Christ, I'm so bad at math. So I don't feel like I have uh, integrity on this topic. We have passion, Mm -hmm. but just the actual numerical part, you should double check, double check that. You have friends that are good at math and probably don't care about what they're going to do math for. Mm -hmm. Um, But you care about this. And so you tell them, hey, we need these numbers. And they're like, yes, I love them. So all you pastors and church leaders, take everything you're about to hear and then run it by somebody who knows how to do math. A math person. And not that new math. The old school, real math. Yeah, yeah. You, you in particular have a formula that you're working on as we speak. Yes. <laughs> that I'm hoping the numbers work out well. <laughs> yeah, 100 minus open parentheses, and that's where it gets crazy. <laughs> There's like a times. I don't know in this formula why I have 100 minus. Yeah. Do some stuff in parentheses, and then also timesing 100. I yeah. learned that in seventh grade at some point. My dad used to teach college um, uh, math in the summer in between sixth and seventh grade. I went and I took college algebra, enrolled in everything. Yeah. And I actually got an A minus in college algebra. And then I proceeded to go into seventh grade. And I kid you not, I failed math from that point in my life because I think <laughs> we just pushed my poor yeah. little brain beyond its capacity at the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We do uh, have a resource available uh, as it relates to yes. counting numbers, dashboards, that whole entire deal. Um, uh, so feel free to email Maria at legible.church. Uh, and there will be a resource available if you need help. If you need some folks who can help you with counting and that whole entire deal, we've got some yes. people who can help you. Brilliant people. And, yeah. and it's not me. It's we promise. M E R E A, because it is a weird name. Yeah. M E R E A at mm-hmm. legible.church. Have we set up Mar- Maria and Mary as aliases? We haven't, but that's on my business card because our legible brand is very witty. Yeah. And, you know, we like to make people laugh. They probably shouldn't. We should send Maria, Mary, Maria, all to you. And we mm-hmm. should send Dex, Dennis, <laughs> Dexter, Drixel, Drixel. <laughs> <laughs> about, <laughs> about 15 of them. Dax uh, for me. With an Dax. A. Yep. Daz, Dez. There's, yeah, I'll need about 19. <laughs> Decker. Yeah. But uh, uh, to, to get back to what we're talking about, we're going to talk about numbers 
uh, we're talking about counting what counts. And if you are doing something, if you are spending any time, any energy, uh, any dollars, if you are expecting dollars, expecting energy, expecting people, if you're messaging, announcing, any of those sorts of things, all of that you should be capturing actual data on. Not just because we're in a data age, but because good data helps you make good decisions. Yes. And that's Reach the whole, yeah, the, <laughs> that's the whole entire point behind all of this is trying to make really, really wise decisions. Uh, in the, uh, uh, the church that I was on staff at just before, uh, Justin and I together were part of a meeting uh, where we'd go over what was called a scorecard. And it was essentially uh, a way of verifying the activity that we were doing, the things that we were talking about the programming that we were inviting into uh, people into, uh, not just growth numbers, but uh, sustaining numbers, uh, whether or not people were engaging in the programming. There were a, there was a ton of numbers, a ton of formulas, a ton of reporting, uh, but really a lot of explaining where people were actually accountable for those numbers. Why are we counting this? Why did we say this? Mm -hmm. And what happened uh, at the end of the whole entire thing? And that helps you to make wise decisions in the future. You have those numbers uh, represented. It's not just a person who says, well, I feel like we should do this or at my old church we did this or some other, you know, uh, uh, well-intending but uh, non-verifiable reason, uh, data helps you to make really wise decisions. So we're going to go over a few, and, and, and I'll tell you each one of these. There's a couple of these that are going to be open to conversation because uh, each church is individual and unique and has its own uh, things that are high priorities. We think most of these are pretty general, but there's a couple of them that are a bit specific. Uh, and in those places, we're going to sort of talk. Uh, amongst us at the table, you have three uh, different types of people who are encountering church uh, right now. Uh, uh, we've got a lot of experience. There are varying degrees of passion for certain programming and other programming. Uh, um, uh, so uh, it, it's a it's a pretty it's a pretty broad thing. But this is something that you're going to want to grab a pencil and a piece mm -hmm. of paper uh, and take some really good notes. We have is it eight actual things that we're telling people they should be counting? Yeah, one, two, three. We should have counted this. Before. Yeah. Eight. eight. One, okay. two, three, Good four, memory. five, six, seven. I got a couple eight. other little things that I think numbers that we should tell people that are just going to be, we have some additional freebies to add some value. Yeah. So before we get to number one, you know what I think you should do? I think you should walk around your parking lot after church and count how many postcards are just laying on the, on the Ooh, parking lot. Big one. Count that. Mm -hmm. And then go, should I print postcards next week? Yeah. Or maybe count bulletins left mm -hmm. on the floor. Yeah. Okay. Those are free. Back to you guys. Yeah. Those are good. Mm -hmm. I love I love how data informs, you know, so many decisions. It, it forms how you use your resources. And those resources are people's time, mm -hmm. the programming that mm -hmm. you put on the calendar, mm -hmm. and including your money that comes in. It's just mm -hmm. really, this is a good conversation. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to Justin's arbitrary count number. Count <laughs> the individual, because you're not going to have more, uh, who comes to your church based on a mailer that they received at their <laughs> home. Count that one person. Uh, subtract that, that from point, the overall zero one percent. Yeah, from the overall <laughs> number of people who receive mailers in your area, and that'll give you a good data point as to. Oh yeah, dude! Especially <laughs> when you turn that into a percentage, yeah. you're going to be sad. <laughs> All right, sorry. Let's move on. I have a lot of things to say, but I'm choosing to <laughs> be wise. All right. 
so let's jump in. Let's jump in with these numbers. Uh, The very first number that you should be counting is attendance year over year. Uh, It is week one number versus week week one number of 2018 versus week one number of 2019 or week one number of 2019 versus week one number of of 2020. Uh, Same thing with week two, week three, week four. Each one of those weeks have a year over year number. And don't just capture that number, but have a goal number set, a healthy goal number. I think the Southern Baptist Convention uh, year over year growth uh, for 2018 to 2019 was 2.5%. So somewhere in the single digit number should be the goal that you are trying to achieve year over year. Now, you may be the type of church that says, you know what, we don't really care about growth. We just care about depth and all of that sort of stuff. Um, I would challenge that thinking specifically Mm -hmm. as it relates to the gospel, the sharing of the gospel, the importance of a relationship with Christ, what it means for people to gather together and have a community of faith. I would would challenge you to even think about that. What does not have to happen is you don't have to change anything or you don't have to make some focus on becoming a megachurch. This isn't about that. This is are you doing the things necessary in order for people to see your church as a viable solution in their life? That should be reflected in year-over-year growth. Good. Yeah, one of the things that we had to do, um, you know, that outreach magazine with the top 100 fastest-growing churches and stuff, mm-hmm. the way they have you calculate that number is to take the average attendance or the attendance, uh, adult plus children attendance for your whole year, get rid of Easter weekend and then average those numbers out. And I thought that was a pretty good, Smart. Yeah. pretty good way of looking at that. Yeah, as well. for sure. Yep. Uh, Easter and Christmas are probably two dates that become, you know, throwaway numbers. Yep. There's also though, probably a dip number in your year for mm. some people. Like uh, it's the first week after school, uh, after mm-hmm. school lets Sorry. out when families go and take off some week, some uh, communities, it is the week before school starts. People end up getting that last vacation in. So you can take out the highs and lows of your year. If you notice there's a consistent weekend that the that is consistently low year after year or uh, any weekend like Easter, Christmas, where the numbers sort of spike because grandma's in town or our neighbors finally decided to come. Uh, you can take those numbers out to get a real true average. That's a, that's a good point. Yeah, and you know, while we're talking about just church attendance, one of the things that is really helpful to think about is, 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 is different for every church, even in the same parts of town or the same, you know, uh, for us in Southern California because of school districts and all these other kinds of things. But one of the things that's really interesting to look at is when is, and you can do this if you look at your attendance over the last couple of years, when's that first big weekend after summer that everybody comes back? For for us, it's actually a little bit before Labor Day because mm-hmm. the way stu- school works mm-hmm. in Southern California for a lot of other churches, it might be further back, but that's a good weekend to look at you know, doing some kind of fall kickoff or uh, investing a little bit of energy or, and momentum around what you're doing on the weekends when everyone is kind of mostly back from mm-hmm. their summer vacations coming out of that dip. For sure. Mm-hmm. There you go. That was another freebie, not yeah. on the list. Thank freebie. you. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Cool. How important is uh, putting visuals to these numbers? Do you think that's helpful? Oh, yeah. Dashboards and stuff? Dashboard. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Having a dashboard um, somewhere like 
really prevalent, mm-hmm. probably not as visible. My, my dad's church uh, was a small Southern Baptist church and they used to have the board in the sanctuary that had like uh, visitors and the amount, so far. the amount of money that was gained. Like it was literally oh, for, for the congregation for yeah. the congregation to see uh, really? every, yeah. <laughs> and those, some, some uh, well-intending person would slide the numbers <laughs> out and put the new ones in. And there were some things that they'd celebrate. Probably not that visible any longer. <laughs> um, if your church does have that, that's a really low hanging fruit uh, to, to modernize is to get that number out of the sanctuary. But it should be somewhere that staff, uh, ministry directors, obviously your executive team, pastoral team uh, should be should be visible. We had yeah. a few different televisions that reflected uh, those numbers over the course of the week for all of our staff to mm-hmm. be able to see uh, for a number of reasons. One, it helps people to understand where the momentum is mm-hmm. and how successful some of the programming things that we're doing gave a real opportunity for people to celebrate. Hey, things were you know great this week or whatever, or it really sort of changed the to-do list uh, as those numbers started to change mm-hmm. and uh, yes. decline. And, and if you pick, you know, not every church is going to want to measure every single one of these numbers that we're talking about today. Some of them don't make sense for the way that your church structures and functions. Mm-hmm. But if you pick the right ones and you and you measure those prominently and display those prominently to your team, it's a great way of, you guys know what I'm going to come back here to, reinforcing your vision. Like, yes. what are you doing as right. a church? Yeah. And reminding yourself as a staff, pick the numbers that most align with your yeah. overall vision as a church and look at those. Let those be f- be uh, at the forefront of your mind when you're thinking and yeah. planning and praying and all those things. Yeah. Yeah. Every, yes, uh, I 100% agree. This attendance year over year number, every church should capture this number. I don't want this to turn into a sales pitch, but we can build some pretty amazing dashboards that update for you automatically. If you want help with that, email Mary at legible.church. Okay. <laughs> M-E-R-E-A at legible.church. Yeah. Yeah. For Signing sure. off. This is Mary. Okay. <laughs> so Dex, what's the next thing we should count? All right. Attendance year over year. That's the first number. Uh, the next number is new guests. Uh, that's capturing any data, any record from someone who has not given a record before. Now it's difficult oftentimes to know, is this person new? Like, is this week one that they're actually showing up? Even Mm -hmm. if you've got cards in the back, if you've got a cell phone way of doing it, um, it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult to do that. Kids check-in is probably the best, uh, sort of way, uh, because, uh, it, it it typically takes, there's some very adventurous parents, like, you know, our family, um, you know, if we go to church, uh, visit a church, or whatever, for the first time, we always ask the kids, you want to go check out the children's ministry? You want to stay with us? It's kind of 50-50. Our daughter is probably mm-hmm. a little bit more adventurous. Our son <clears throat> just wants to uh, hang out with us. Um, but that that children's check-in number is pretty close to when a person is is starting to trust or they're you know starting to attend. That's a really good number. Um, but obviously, you uh, 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 new to whatever your church is, cards, guest connection check-in, cards, connection yeah. cards. Uh, anyway, your new guest number is anytime you get uh, a guest record. Uh, it could be from giving, if they give online from the first time or they use your credit card for the first time, whatever. That that number uh, is important. And again, you should have an, a goal number that you're trying to hit as well. And mm-hmm. this is a weekly number. Every single week, there should be a goal mm-hmm. number for new guests. Um, Why are we telling people to measure this number? The reason that this is important is because every church should be 
uh, encouraging people to evangelize and invite friends to come and be a part of the community. If this new guest number is stagnant, it means that you've created a club, not a church. And clubs are very, very difficult to undo. Mm-hmm. So if you see this number, this new guest number, if it's stagnant over time, you've got consistency. Every single week, we've got 420 people. Week number two, 420 people. Week number three, 417 people because the so-and-sos you know, went away for the weekend, the next 420. It means that you've created a club. And once you do, the walls around a club start to get really, really, really thick. Um, and that is a challenge. So there should yeah. be a goal number for inviting new guests, mm-hmm. for adding new people in the community, um, to for inviting uh, people to become, uh, to hear what God is doing in this community. This new guest number is a big, huge deal. This number also is going to inform some of the other numbers you're going to want to figure out, right? Yeah, yeah for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and well, again, your attendance, let's go, just go back to the number we just discussed. Your attendance year over year number if you if you're not inviting new guests, that number is just by nature going to go down. Mm-hmm. Year over year, people are going to die. They're going to move away because of jobs. They're going to find another church. They're going to, uh, you know, yeah. not go one week, and that turns into not going for 52 weeks. Mm-hmm. That number is going to go down unless you're adding new people mm-hmm. who are coming in. So that new guest number, you may find that your new guest number is really high, but your attendance year over year number is really uh, is is staying the same. If your new guest number is high and your attendance year over year number is staying the same, that means people are leaving mm-hmm. your church, but you're getting new people in. Mm-hmm. That could be expected if you have a vision change or a focus change or you're you're staff doing change. some new yeah. things, staff change. Um, that can and should be expected. You're going to find some people who were there as a part of the club, not a part of the church. They're going to go find another club to go and be a part of, and new people are going to come in and become a part of the church. There's a relationship between those two numbers. If you're doing things, if your discipleship strategy, people are feeling like they're 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 really connected to the community, that the church is addressing their needs and all that sort of stuff. Your attendance year over year number uh, is really strong. Now you're adding new guests. That attendance year over year number can start to tick up, uh, you know, mm-hmm. over time as well because you're really closing the back door. And there's not a lot of folks leaving, and new people are coming in. Um, the new guest number, as you start to see a trend. As it's going consistently uh, over time, you're starting to see a trend that can start to influence decisions like what do we do with a building? What sort of new space do we need? Uh, are the new people who are coming, is, are they bringing kids with them? Well, what's our children's programming? That helps influence some, uh, influence some of those decisions going forward in the future as well. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, a lot of these numbers are easier to track. This counts can seem really overwhelming, but can be easier to track the smaller your church is because mm-hmm. you can kind of do yeah. do the math a little more easily. You can and count your percentages skyrocket <laughs> yeah, exactly. if the church is, is small as well. One of the numbers that I think, ba- based on these two things that we just talked about, one of the things that I think is really uh, an important number to, to think about and identify is to take that increase in an overall attendance. Mm-hmm. So how many people you have this year, subtract how many people you had last year. And let's say your church grew by 20 people and then um, divide that by the number of new guests. Here's why I think that's important. You're going to get the percentage of new guests that come and visit your church and stick and, mm-hmm. and, and say, we came, we right. checked it out. We came on Easter. We came yeah. on Mother's Day. We yeah. came to whatever yeah. and we stuck and we became a part of this. Now yeah. that's really helpful. That's a really great number to know. But then the other 
gut check number is if you flip that percentage around, that's the number of people approximately who come to your church, who check it out, their friend invites them or they visit for some other reason, and then they don't come back. Yeah. And I think that number can be a real gut check in terms of uh, what are we doing on the weekends? And this will go back to a couple episodes mm-hmm. ago. Are we creating an experience that is actually um, connecting mm-hmm. with yeah. the people and can, helping them connect to God in a real, important, powerful, sacred way? That's yeah. interesting that you say that because the next number is the retention number. Yes. Here we go. Yeah, and it's exactly what you just described. It's essentially a second record in a period of time. You could call that two weeks, depending on you know some, some uh, churches uh, some uh, communities, people are attending church every single week. They just happen every single week. I would say uh, to get uh, when you have a second record over the course of 30 days, that hits your retention number. And that's exactly what you said. Not only did I just come and see what was going on, I'm actually coming back again. And the numbers, uh, if you can get a person to come to church for the first time, don't quote me on this. There's, you can find these numbers online, but I think it is somewhere close to 50% of people, if they come to your church for the first time, will come a second time. Now, of those numbers, people who come a second time, that number shoots up somewhere in the 80s. I want to say it's somewhere in the 80-something percent. So getting people back the second time obviously is a big, huge deal, which is why that retention number is there. Setting a goal for that retention number is another good thing. I think a goal of 25% is a good goal. That means if four of us uh, showed up, that one of us said, yep, that one was for me, that that number is a decent number. You may find that number is super high. Your retention number is 40%, 50%. One out of every two people are deciding, I came back again uh, and I really, really like it. Uh, that that number is going to be great. I think that goal number of about 25% uh, is a, would give an honest uh, uh, sort of subset of people who would go, three people go, uh, yeah, I'm not sure if it's for me. One person says, yeah, that's for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, and that this number should not be like right next to each other, two weeks in a row or something like that, right? As I'm just thinking about my own journey, my family and I, anybody listening to the show knows, we plugged into a new church here in town over the course of the last, I don't know, four or five months or so. And the way that that went down was we went on one Sunday and attended, and then we missed the next weekend because Mm -hmm. of some previous engagement. We went back the next Sunday. We missed the next two weeks in a row. And then boom, we were in and we haven't missed a Sunday. And we even came back early from a vacation um, so that we would make it to church Mm -hmm. uh, on time on Sunday. And we've been pretty consistent since then. Mm -hmm. But that first, I don't know, five weeks or so, it was sporadic as we were trying to figure out, Mm -hmm. does this work for us? Partially because even the age of our children, (laughs) we really wanted to make sure that they felt like they were a part of the process of plugging Mm -hmm. in. And Mm -hmm. this wasn't just mom and dad making some decision that they were subjected to. So give yourself a little leeway in there when you're thinking about that retention number. Yeah. Yeah. And the new guest uh, number and the retention number, uh, the retention number especially, uh, will be influenced by an internal process where you can communicate to new guests that you, A, are grateful that they came, but then B, that you're expecting them to come again, that the doors are open. We're waiting for you. The whole entire, this whole reason that we're here is for people like you. We'd love for you to come and be a part of it. Uh, and that can include everything from a phone call, uh, email, a card sent home, all of that sort of stuff. I mean, there's there's any number of, you can just Google uh, a church follow-up strategy and there's hundreds of different versions of that on there. Honestly, I don't 
think that there is a right way to do it. The right way to do it is the way that you can do consistently. If you set a really, really aggressive, like we're going to, you know, in, in 14 days, we're going to make nine contacts. Well, hope you have a big staff or you've got nothing else to do in life because that is a lot of work. Do figure out a way to do that consistently, uh, to make that connection consistently. I would say over the course of 14 days, uh, two points of contact is probably too low. Uh, seven points of contact is probably too high. Somewhere between three points of contact and five feels like the right sort of way of doing it. Uh, different formats or versions of ways of making contact with a new guest is probably the right way. Mm, good stuff. Yeah. Also, this is not the most exciting stuff, but it's so important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this commit is, to it. It's a big deal. I reject that. This is. I I am just telling. This you is so the exciting. Truth, no, Justin. I'm, I tell you, this is exciting to someone in your church. Yeah. Find that person and empower them yes. to maintain, communicate, and reiterate these numbers to the rest of the people like me <laughs> that I would have a tough time being very passionate about. I'm passionate about the results. Uh, was never quite passionate about the process and was very grateful for people who were. Mm -hmm. You guys, I teach Microsoft Excel at the local <laughs> community college just so part-time as a hobby. Your, yeah, that's my, that is my hobby. That's, that's like, my jam. It's just a little little thing I do on the side. Excel as a hobby is like, I want to stab my eyes out. Okay, well, yeah. I'm telling you, there's some sweet formulas out there that would change your life. You're a mouse guy in Excel, right? Uh, yes. Just putting it out there. Oh, yeah, I do like a oh, good keyboards, keyboard. Control. Oh, okay, keyboard guy. Okay, all right, no, just no. checking. Sorry. I do like a good dashboard though. The yeah, visuals, exactly. yeah, that's yeah. exciting stuff. All right, let's get into something that's a little bit more uh, controversial. Let's light some fires. <laughs> okay, here it is. All right, so we've talked about attendance year over year. We've talked about new guests. We've talked about retention. The next number we're going to talk about these two together because there is a relationship between these two, and that is your team's number. How many people are engaged, involved in teams on your campus? That means volunteering, right? Volunteering, uh, leading worship, on the production team, working with kids. Serving. In the super spiritual. Lot, that's how you say it. <clears throat> yep. Serving. serving. Yep. That's that sort of Coffee, deal. Donut. Yep. And then your discipleship strategy number, which could be Sunday school, small group, Groups, classes, uh, any sort of the 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 way that you are trying to grow people's relationship with Christ that is not a part of your regular Sunday service. Right. That's the discipleship strategy. Could be groups, women's groups, men's groups, small groups, Sunday, Sunday school yeah. classes, uh, any of that sort of stuff. Your discipleship strategy number and your team's number. You need to capture both of those numbers, and here's why: one, you should if you're a church, you should have a discipleship strategy. I would say that there should be something, and this is where we're going to start going back and forth, which I think is- I'm just is, listening is really, so politely. Yeah. I think, <laughs> I think that there should be an additional way other than church attendance that people's relationship with God uh, is being lived out, learned about. And I would say if you agree with that and you have programming for that, there should be some sort of way of capturing that. Now, honestly, I don't have a dog in the fight uh, as far as what churches should do. Again, I think do what you can do consistently. Uh, we happen to love our small group, and that is uh, 
for me, especially right now, the primary way that I am living out what I would say my faith in, in God is, is with a small group of people. We talk about the word, we're in, in each other's lives, but there's plenty of ways of doing it. I've gone to churches with Sunday school, uh, traditional sort of Sunday school. I've gone to churches that had midweek classes. I've had midweek Bible studies, all that sort of stuff. We just need to capture whatever that discipleship number is. So here's what I think is once we start measuring these two numbers, like right groups, attendance, discipleship, uh, involvement, et cetera, and teams involvement, the natural tendency is going to want to see an increase in both of those once you're measuring them. And the, the problem is, I think when we try and measure both of those and hopefully to see an increase in attendance and, or increase in both those numbers is that we're just not acknowledging the real world that people actually live in and mm-hmm. the demands of um, uh, just having a full-time job nowadays, right? Which never shuts off, never mm-hmm. turns off for most people on the career path, right? Your cell phone means you're working around the clock. The the uh, the demands of the school and homework have on families with children, the demands of uh, what it takes nowadays to yeah. get plugged into a new relationship for, for your sure. young adults, right? The demands that it takes to try and maybe work a couple of jobs, if yeah. that's what it takes. Mm-hmm. Um, the real world just has so much that it asks of people. And if as a church, we're trying as hard to get people into our group's path or our discipleship strategy or whatever that is, in addition to our teams and volunteering and plugged in there, that's just asking so much of people Mm. that I don't think it's realistic or even honestly loving. I don't think it's loving to ask Mm. that much Mm. of your church. For some people, it is. Some Mm -hmm. people out there need a little bit of extra things to do in their life and getting them plugged in around some Jesus-loving folks as often as possible, that's a really, really great thing to do. But for a lot of people, um, it's it's just really impossible to do everything that a church is asking them. One of the things that I think is really interesting is if if we can find some sort of alignment around uh, those two. Like if your discipleship strategy can overlap with your team's strategy, right? Mm-hmm. If your discipleship strategy is pulling people in and being a part of the church, um, again, I, I so far have failed on my campaign to do an episode of the Legible Church podcast simply titled Small Groups Suck. Um, both both <laughs> Dex and Maria won't be on it nope. um, because no. I said it was just going to be a rant of my rant. <laughs> so if anybody wants to hear that. Read the Bible. I'll tell you. Oh if, my gosh. Yeah, if you read you, the Bible. Yeah, if you would have caught me like six years ago, then I, I would have been with you, but I've had a, I've had a good run. Two, yeah, congratulations! Two really good back to back small group experiences. You know, you know what? We should somebody should video your story. I, this is my theory. This is my it's theory. Called sticking with it. No, this is my theory. Every single person who's had a good experience in a small group yeah. has already been videoed by their church <laughs> telling people about their good experience in small group, and um, I have The rest of us. Yeah, I haven't either. Well, but I, I would say, I mean, to me, I think the point that you're making is that there should be some level of uh, sensitivity to uh, the fact that uh, folks are busy and yes. there's a lot of stuff. And so and that I 100 percent agree totally. with. Um, I also too. yeah, I also agree that there there has been some heavy handed and probably even dogmatic descriptions of the importance of both small groups and teams and attendance. Exactly. And if, and if you're not doing all three of these things, then are you really oh toss in giving? If you're not also if you're not giving not on a team, not in small groups, not attending every single week, then you're not doing church right. Um, so I think that there, that yeah, there definitely needs to be some uh, 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 more understanding from the organization side about the expectations that you're right. communicating. Um, 
I also think that many churches have uh, not communicated uh, or, or their communication style and strategy has been, we, the organization, have this great need. We need you, the individual, to fulfill and satisfy the needs of the organization. And I think that is a backwards view yes. of how church is supposed to work. Right. That the organization uh, should be reflective and a community built around God's uh, satisfying the needs of all, you know, all that yes. sort of stuff. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that. I think both of these numbers are important. If you have a discipleship strategy, you need to figure out how to count it. I also think that the team's number is very important because if your organization grows, there's only two ways that you can support the growth of yeah. just the, the functional needs of the organization. One is to hire, 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 hire greeters, hire folks in the parking lot, hire children's workers, hire uh, worship leaders, hire musicians and bands, hire production guys, right? So now you've got a staff that is around the same size as your church. Uh, and you, what you're paying for, obviously, you're paying your hourly wage and you're paying health care and you're paying, you know, benefits and all this sort of stuff. That's one way. The other way is to invite people to become a part of the mission of the church and to help execute the mission of the church, to be able to join a team. Um, to me, there's that is the wiser way. Um, to your point, I think I, I would agree. There's there's an over ask of attendance. Like, where are you going to go? Where are you going to be? And what are you going to do? Um, and and I, I think that does require some sensitivity. One of my one of the things I think my parents did well growing up is I remember so often in the evenings we sat down at the table together, um, and we had family time. Yeah, and I feel like that's so important. And some of the things that we're asking of our church members is to be in a small group, to serve on a team, to take their kids to, you know, whatever yeah. it is, midweek Awana, midweek, stuff, uh-huh. midweek youth stuff, and then a program, you know, rehearsal for this thing at Christmas. And then, and then this thing, and by the time you're done, it's, it's for, you know, days or, or nights yeah. out of the week. And yeah. so you take away time. That's really important in forming your family. And I think that's that's not okay. Totally. As soon as you put these numbers up on a dashboard, the tendency is just going to, you're going to want to see them increase, right? Mm-hmm. We're encouraging you to count what counts. And you just have to know that, you know, these two numbers, they're going to wax and wane a little bit, right? Yeah. You might go through a season where you see your, your discipleship numbers go up mm-hmm. and maybe a little bit of your team's numbers are going to go down. Mm-hmm. Or if your team's number is going up, um, don't freak out that your discipleship or groups yeah. or whatever yeah. is going down. Yeah. You just have to know that, the, the people's real world lives mm-hmm. are going on. In and the other thing too, to remember about this is, is you're there's, you could be talking to different subsets within your church, different demographics within your church. There may be people who prioritize, you know, a small group gathering, Sunday school, you know, midweek Bible study, that sort of thing. They prioritize that. And so because of that, they're going to go, you know what we're going to do? Attend on the weekends, be a part of the discipleship strategy, but we're going to be, you know, if there's a big call for volunteers for a, a single event sort of thing, we may attend that, but we may not be able to be there every single week. There may be other people who go, you know what? I, I love to serve. I love the mission of the church and that sort of stuff. So I'm going to be really consistent in attending on the weekends, really consistent uh, being a part of the team. But, you know, the small group stuff it, or, or, or the discipleship stuff, it, that might be something that ends up being number three, number four in their priority list. That's okay. I think the important thing is if you're going to do it, 
If you're gonna, if you if you have a discipleship strategy, you have to count it. If you've got teams, you need to count teams. There needs to be a strategy for uh, loving for these people, caring for them, inviting them into next steps, thinking about what it means to move through a process. Is there a completion? Is there a next step? Is there a promotion? All of that sort of stuff. But if you're doing it, count it. That's the big deal. I'll give you that. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, all right, let's move into the last three, which are, are specifically about money. Uh, the first one is first-time givers. These are people that you have a record of them giving for the first time, either from a check or from uh, uh, you know credit card, whatever. However you get a record of them giving for the first time, that needs to be counted. And the reason that that number is important, there's that number, then there's giving per adult. How many adults are there and what is the dollar amount per person that is uh, being mm -hmm. uh, given. Those two things are really important. Uh, the giving per adult uh, helps you with uh, budgeting and that sort of stuff. If you can, if you can think about the timeline that it may take for a person to begin giving consistently, then you can start thinking about a budget in those same sorts of timelines. The first time givers number is important is because it, it helps you to understand how people are adopting and engaging and becoming a part of supporting the organization, the church, uh, uh, and the way that you are communicating to them about money. We all know we have a whole episode about money um, and, 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 you know, making uh, money make sense and not being weird about money, uh, how to talk about it, when to talk about it, all that sort of stuff. You can uh, check out that episode. Uh, but that really is sort of another step in the process. I think the, the, the uh, retention number, people deciding to come back, that's a big number for mm -hmm. how people are adopting the vision becoming a part of the church, first-time givers is another one of those numbers. So one of the reasons I think that's yeah. so important, by the way, is as someone who's on the verge of preparing to become a first-time giver at a church, is that to just feels, at least for for me, it feels like such a commitment to us. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and again, maybe sure. everyone's a little bit different, but we've been at this church for several months and it's been cool and we've been happy to we volunteered a little bit. I mean, I'm volunteering in an event later tonight yeah. for the church. Um, you guys, you you think I'm great on this podcast. Just wait till you hear me host him. Bingo. Okay. <laughs> old, old people at church, y'all get ready for this guy. You'll be, um, <clears throat> be good at that. The oh. other thing um, that we've done, you know, we gave, we went and we spent several hundred dollars on candy to support the trunk and treat thing that they were doing mm -hmm. because of the way they connected it to the vision and all those kinds of things. But for me, actually giving to the church, it feels like, you know, it reminds me of back in the day when I was dating and stuff. Like it feels like such a, this is a significant thing. Yeah. Um, so th that first time givers number, I think is like, that's a real buy-in that yeah. you've got there from somebody. Mm -hmm. For sure. Yeah. That first time givers number probably better reflects people becoming a part yes. of your community probably even a better number than the baptism number. Oh, wow. The, the baptism number is our primary way of showing the world that we uh, have given our lives to Christ, that God is doing work in us. We've repented. And so we're going to you know, do this first step, but they may not stick around. They may mm -hmm. not stay. The, opposite is usually true for givers. Mm -hmm. First time givers gives you that first sense of, oh, okay, these people just the story, the exact story you just told party that they're becoming a part of the community. So that is a, that 
number helps to uh, communicate that. Giving per adult helps with budgeting numbers. And then the last- Can we just really, for some people that don't know giving per adult, it's to take the total number of giving that happens on a weekend yeah. and then divide that by the amount of adults that were in attendance at your church, right? Yes. Because in theory, if my kid is giving money, <laughs> that's right. that's the, that's coming from out it's of my quarter. pockets mm-hmm. anyway. Exactly. And that's not really. And the primary reason we think that is so important is because it helps you with long-term budgeting. And yeah. that's really important as yep. a church. Now, there's a lot of churches that try to influence that giving per adult number and start talking to people about they're not giving enough, not giving enough. Yeah. Gonna, mm-hmm. uh, I, I'm, I'm going to push away yes. and, and encourage you to push away from that sort of communication as well. I yes, think Lord. This, I think this number yes. is specifically should specifically be used to make wise budgeting decisions. Hallelujah. That, that, that's it. The, the last number that you need to, uh, to uh, factor in is to have a clear understanding of how people are giving, whether it's through cash or through check, through a credit card, through online, if you have text to give. That number is important because you can help. To, if you have four or five different uh, devices, different uh, channels and ways that people can give, you need to be able to communicate those well. And if you notice that one is super low, that gives you an opportunity either from the platform or through some other form of communication to be able to say, hey, do you know you can text to give? If so, you can do that here. Uh, it also helps uh, internally for you to understand if there's one particular way that is going to to save you more money. You're not going to pay fees on the way these uh, dollars are created. That gives another opportunity to be able to communicate that as well. So yes, I know I would have been on the other side. Uh, I would have been a recently started first time giver. If the online digital giving at our church would have worked <laughs> no, no joke. last, last Sunday, I was trying to make a $300 gift. I was testing the waters, right? Trying to, trying to put that out there. And then I punch in my credit card details and everything on my phone. And then the screen just went white. Yeah. And this was so embarrassing. I actually had to like call the church office lady and be like, did you guys get money? Because I'm not sure if it worked. And then, you know what? They actually, the thing that they actually, she was saying was like, well, we don't actually push a lot of people towards that because of the fees and those kinds of things. And I was like, no, my one, my one time gift would have paid yeah. for your whole years of fees. Yeah. Make that a thing and let people give through there. Yeah. Anyways, digital giving is important. Yeah, for sure. So important. Yep. So let's recap. Attendance year over year, new guests, retention. retention. Discipleship strategy number, teams uh, number, (laughs) first-time givers, giving per uh, adult, Adult. and then percentage Mm -hmm. of total giving. Those are, if you're going to count, count what counts. counts. And also, if you need help putting together a little bit of this whole thing, we have a, a, a couple friends who do financial legibility for us, and that is one of the best best things you can do to understand where your budget is and, and set up dashboards for these type of things to count what counts. And yeah. we are here for you for that. Cool. Email you guys, I got to go Maria oh, yeah. at legible.church. I got to go YouTube how to lead bingo. Um, so I'm going to, I'm going to jet <laughs> out And if here. you're in the local area, <laughs> head yeah. down to Justin's church yeah. and play bingo. Friends, thank you so much for letting us be a part of your lives over the course of this season. Uh, We are going to, um, we've got some big stuff that we're working on between now and the end of the year. And then Mm -hmm. we will be back really, really soon. And please enjoy our legible podcast theme music written originally by Dex. Oh, excuse me. Dax Alexander. (laughs) Bingo. (laughs) 